In this episode, it's just me, Allie, and Nicole Keen, a massage therapist that I met here in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, because of a mutual connection we both know up in Alaska. I am so happy to have Nicole on the episode today to chat about a book she just recently published. Align with the Massage Business Mama comes to you with a combined 22 plus years experience in the massage biz as entrepreneurs, providing actionable tips and resources you can implement today. Becca, an off-grid living, quirky, trail-running massage therapist, esthetician, and yogi, offers her business and wellness perspective to you with highly caffeine-fueled, compassionate wit. Allie, your hard-working, driven, creative mom, massage therapist, business owner, lover of friend gatherings, all-time annual family talent show winner, brings her drive and business savvy to every episode. Hello, therapists. Today we are joined by Nicole Keen, and she has written a book, The Tao of the Polyvagal Theory, a five-element perspective for future of healing the spirit and balancing the autonomic nervous system. So, Nicole, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much, Allie. It's great to catch up with you this morning. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing I didn't realize is that maybe we've talked about this before, but maybe not. You're a BCMT grad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what year did you graduate? Um, I did my, um, prenatal, postnatal and perinatal certification there. So it wasn't like a year I graduated. Okay. Um, it was sort of spanned through, I think 2010 through 2011. Okay. When they had that program, it was like 125 hour, um, advanced training. It was a great training. Okay. That was a little after my time. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I went to Desert Institute of Healing Arts for my original massage education. And that was in 2003. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I was going to go to BCMT. That was between there and Desert Institute. Yeah. And I searched Desert Institute because I just wanted to be in the desert yeah. for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Uh, it's important to, you know, resonate with where you are. <laughs> um, so I wanted to just kind of start by reading a little excerpt from the book uh, to just kind of kick things off. So in the book, you say... This book will serve as an introduction to a technical manual therapy curriculum called Elemental Manual Meridian Theory and Techniques, EMMT. The purpose of EMMT is to bring together manual release of energetic and physical restrictions within the anatomy of the body in order to affect the physiology of the body and autonomic nervous system. So how how did this book kind of come about? Um, well, this book is sort of the combination of a ton of research that I've been doing clinically with my clients in, in my practice and also in continuing education that I've been on um, that journey for the past 10 years in advanced sort of visceral and neural osteopathic techniques. And um, also my culmination of using five element work in my practice and just seeing how energy flows through the body and really researching into polyvagal theory and kind of jumping on that train about three or four years ago and gradually internalizing and integrating the great awareness that polyvagal theory has brought to the discipline of manual therapy, pretty much. Um, You can apply it in a lot of psychotherapy and it's been applied there already, but to apply it in manual therapy 
just opens up so many amazing doors to how we can really treat trauma within the body and in chronic stress within the body and how that can manifest in dysfunction. So can you share for those of us who aren't as familiar with polyvagal theory, kind of a little brief overview of what, what that is and how that works? Yeah. So the general brief overview of polyvagal theory is that um, in a nutshell, it really provides a way to view the autonomic nervous system and our stress response in a really nuanced way. It's not anymore we think of as fight or flight and rest and digest. We now have a lot of evidence that it's the, our autonomic responses are much more than that and are very much linked to our emotional state. So the polyvagal theory really expands our view of stress into and our, our regulation of stress into uh, ventral vagal, parasympathetic, the sympathetic nervous system, and dorsal vagal parasympathetic. So those are the three main types. And then within those types of different regulation responses, there's, there's a whole spectrum of things we can experience and how we react emotionally to certain situations. And that can also have uh, physiological manifestations, of course, as well. So the way I apply polyvagal theory as a manual therapist um, really relies on the theory's illustration of the bidirectional communication pathways of the nervous system. So the vagus nerve touches on a lot of the body and has efferent, which is from the brain to the body communication, and afferent, which is from the body to the brain, from the viscera to the brain. So as a manual therapist interacting with the body at the cranium, but also in the viscera, any adjustments or manipulations um, that we do with the nervous system or the viscera, that reflects and refers up into the brain and can help regulate the nervous system through that bidirectional communication pathway. So a lot of polyvagal theory traditionally since um, its inception approximately 20 years ago is sort of integrated into more psychotherapy, talk therapy, being used in application um, in that respect, also with occupational therapists, um, people with neurodivergent um, backgrounds and on um, different neurodivergent spectrums. can Those those professionals and practitioners can get a lot from the theory, but it has a whole nother application in actual anatomy and physiology and the regulation of the body on a very physical basis. And healthcare professionals that have a license to touch um, and have a license to practice manual therapy have this whole world opened up to them of how to really communicate and tap in very deeply with the body to affect significant change. And if that, if that awareness is applied very specifically, it, it can be a very, very gentle, swift transformation in physiological and emotional state. Also affecting maybe long held traumas that are stored within the body. Absolutely. And, you know, really being able to tap into where that trauma is being stored in the body. And certain, um, the Asian medical theory disciplines throughout history have identified certain organs with certain emotional responses. Um, so that ancient knowledge can now potentially be corroborated with the, the awareness that the polyvagal theory provides on a physiological basis and anatomical basis of you know, where the actual wires of the body are moving to and from and how the nervous system is wiring our structure. Basically, if you think of a house 
and there's all these different relays and the electricity that runs through the house and it goes to the different rooms and turns on different lights of different color. And, you know, the body can be thought of as a very similar, in a very similar way. The nervous system is our electrical system and it powers our organs and our emotions. Yeah. I find the whole polyvagal theory really empowering because, you know, as you say, it's a little more nuanced and to think of it as such a simple fight or flight response, it, it just doesn't take into account all of the variations of the way that we respond and, you know, that we know we respond. Yeah, I think it's really, really helpful too to elaborate on that. And, you know, when you're working with clients that have a significant history of trauma and stress or have had even just an acute, really stressful event in their adult life, you know, I think a lot of kind of sequelae or secondary trauma comes in our processing of how we responded to certain experiences. And, you know, a lot of people put shame on themselves for, you know, inappropriate responses that they may have um, entered into as a result of just their nervous system trying to protect themselves. Yeah. And polyvagal theory allows us to take a step out of our mind and out of our body and see our responses from a third party vision and advantage of, you know, no, this was just our nervous system trying to protect our body. And this is why that decision was made or those words were said. And that's not necessarily me. And I have an opportunity to shift my nervous system and thereby shift my reaction and my response to trauma and stress in the future with that awareness. And, you know, that is so empowering. And, um, I talk about with my clients a lot is that, you know, there've been waves of awareness that have come through in our healing process and through just the awareness that modern medicine has provided to us about our body and our mind. And the, more or less sort of trend of merging mind body can, can get us in trouble sometimes because it makes us identify as one, you know, our mind, our body are one. But if you separate mind body for a second, and then you take a step outside mind body and you view mind body as these two things, that's almost more empowering. And it gives us a, a chance to release that, um, you know, responsibility that we all to greater or lesser extent internalize of, of, you know, how we act and react and who we are in our mind body connection, realizing that it is two separate things that communicate with each other, but that doesn't necessarily make us who we are. And we have more control over that with this awareness than we might not have necessarily thought we had. Yeah, I find that super empowering. Mm -hmm. Who did you write this book for? This book, we're just kind of talking about this before we hit record. Like, you know, you want to sort of write to your audience. And this book was basically a download <laughs> from me to, to everyone. I think, um, it, it merges together two really distinct disciplines and, um, kind of has both of those waves coming towards each other to create a new wave. That's just something different for people that have an experience and awareness of polyvagal theory. This is going to be a really interesting book to deepen their awareness of how emotions affect the human body. For people that have a five element perspective and an Asian medical theory perspective, this book is going to be 
an open door to a different framework or vantage of viewing how to interact with the five elements that they might not necessarily have considered before. It's a bit of an evolution of the five element perspective and treatment theories based on an evolution of the ideas of the spirit that are in that discipline that we can have now with the awareness that the polyvagal theory and different advancements in anatomy and physiology have given to us as a modern society. So it's really sort of like kind of dragging the past into the present, <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> and um, also it's written for just the general person. Um, I wrote it for my clients in, in large part, people that don't know anything about the body and might not know much about their emotions to help them identify with what they're feeling in their dis-ease, in their illness, um, in their experience of pain or discomfort in their body and where that might be coming from and where the emotions that they may or may not be aware of that may or may not be processed completely by their body, where those emotions might lie and where they may be experiencing discomfort as a result of that. And um, the energetics of just creating that awareness can really help shift and transform um, a condition of dis-ease or illness within my clients. I've seen, you know, exponential healing and just pushing past plateaus of healing that people have gotten onto just with an awareness of how their body communicates within itself. Mm -hmm. um, so once you shine a light on it, energy shifts basically. And I wrote and illustrated this book um, and the illustrations are actually really powerful as well. And I like to give those to my clients. Like if I have somebody that I know has a really deficient earth element and I see that impacting a lot of um, the symptoms they're experiencing in their wood element or the fire element, then I will suggest that they take a look at the earth element illustration and meditate with it and sit with it for a little bit and just see kind of how it integrates into their nervous system, feelings that they have when they, um, feelings that come up, emotions that come up while they're looking at it and maybe journal about that. And that's nice homework that they can do for themselves, which is great because, you know, I can only work with so many people too. And, yeah. you know, so many people can come through the door in my clinic and, you know, giving them the opportunity to create awareness within themselves when they go home. And then, you know, having this book available for everyone to read, to create an awareness and reach so many more people and so many more practitioners as well. And give practitioners a little bit more of a open spectrum of how they might consider treating people that have had chronic illness, chronic stress, and um, historical trauma in their life. And have you had any pushback from like the traditional five element theorist. <laughs> yeah, I've had, I've had some really, um, some really supportive people and friends and colleagues and clients that are in oriental medicine. Um, and then I've had people that are very interested and then I had people that have said, well, that's just not how we learn things. <laughs> and, and I can understand all of that, you know, shifting a paradigm of how you've learned something and how things have been thought of forever is, is kind of hard thing to do. Um, and you know, I, I recently gave this book to a a person who practices Asian medical theory and he's evolved his practice quite substantially. He went to Asian medical theory school um, as an oriental medicine doctor and acupuncturist at the same time that I went to massage therapy school and kind of started my journey in the alternative healthcare healing disciplines. And um, he, he took the book away and he said, wow, you've made some really interesting big shifts in this. And 
you know, I just have to sit with it a little longer and see how I think about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I just, I really appreciate people, um, giving it an opportunity and really, um, I, I told him when I gave him the book, you know, approach it from the position of an uncarved block, you know, the, the aspect of poo and Taoism of, um, you know, not having any preconceived notions and being a blank slate basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, just opening your mind to, to wonder the wonder and the inspiration and the creativity that you might see sparked from, from reading the book and, and thinking about your discipline that you've practiced in a new light. And we spoke a little bit before we recorded as well about how these traditions, how they were translated such a long time ago. Can you speak to that a little bit as well? Yeah. So I, um, I've actually studied Asian religious theories for quite a long time. And I grew up in a Christian discipline, Marianist philosophy, which is a lot of like helping and service. And then I studied at a Marianist university, a lot of Asian and Eastern religions. And then as I ventured into healthcare and alternative healthcare and started studying Asian medical theory, realized that it was all based mainly on a lot of Taoist philosophy from 4,000 years ago, approximately. And a lot of that philosophy was written in kanji, basically pictographs. And through the centuries, it has been added to and translated and reformatted. And then in the 1940s and 50s, from my understanding, what we know in the West of Asian medical theory was was translated from Chinese kanji by the ruling class, which was the Mao administration, and packaged up and given to the West. So we were given this knowledge and we were likely given what that administration felt was appropriate to give at that time. And, you know, the translation, the actual physical translation of kanji is incredibly difficult in any respect. And when you're trying to translate something with so much nuance regarding the body and emotion and just the artistry that's involved and the creativity that was involved in those basic traditional teachings, it's, it's very, very difficult. And for me, it's very hard to believe that it, it was the complete picture basically that they got everything right. Yeah. That yeah. They didn't, they didn't miss any of those nuances. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely a lot that's open to evolution, especially now with the greater awareness we have of the body through modern medicine in mm-hmm. the mind through modern medicine and the, in the human nervous system. I mean, that's, that is what it is. The nervous system and the neuroendocrine system are everything to our body. And we know so much more about that than they did 4,000 years ago, 2000 years ago. In 1940 and 1950. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I kind of brought up an example too with rolfing and and the difference between rolfing and structural alignment. That in rolfing, they traditionally follow very closely to what Ida Rolf created initially, and structural alignment has chosen to take the rolfing traditions and practices and to build on them and to to learn from clinical experience and um, other things to, to expand on that knowledge and to not get so stuck in the the one way of doing things. So I, I kind of see your practice here and your methods here as being an extension of kind of that theory and that idea. Yeah. Uh, everything I write about in this book has really come directly from my clinical experience and my clinical practice and just feeling how 
tension and energy patterns move through the body of the clients. Did you come upon this on accident or? Um, kind of. It was really a kind of, um, like, you know, come upon writing the book, do you mean? Or more the methods that you teach and that you. Mm-hmm. Well, my, most of my practice right now, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit of every single thing I've ever learned, to be honest. But my physical practice hands on is a lot of advanced myofascial curriculum, um, and techniques that I learned in my basic massage therapy training, which I also did a lot of five element theory in that as well. But the way that the five element theory was taught, like, didn't really ever completely resonate with me in a harmonic. And we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, but then in 2010, um, I actually, I, I kind of diverted from my path of manual therapy and had a desk job for a couple of years. I wanted sort of something to fall back on and then went back into healing in 2010, did some curriculums at Boulder College for mm-hmm. prenatal and then really ventured right into studying with the Baral Institute and the Chickley Institute in postdoctorate visceral and neural and cranial osteopathic techniques. Um, and really what I learned in my training with, with those two entities was how to really listen to the body. And once you open that door of what energy feels like when it moves through the body, just focusing your awareness opens up so much potential to receive information, learning details of the anatomy and physiology, and then receiving the information from my sense of touch from my clients. I can say I've learned more since those basic trainings and continuing educations through um, that postdoctorate osteopathic um, lineages. Like I've learned more from my clients with that foundation than I ever have in any class Mm -hmm. that I've ever taken. Yeah. It's just so, I'm so grateful for that. Well, and earlier you said that the book was kind of a download. Yeah. (laughs) That it was like, you know, these, these things that just kind of maybe came to you, like from, from being able to have that sensitivity in your listening to what these, these clients and their bodies are telling you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, in 2019, the end of 2019, um, I decided to start developing a curriculum based on that. And then we had COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had the pandemic. And that was in 2020. And as a manual therapist, we were all shut down. Yeah. We couldn't work anymore. And I have no partner. I don't have a lot of family for for support. So I was actually living half in Oregon, half in Alaska at that time. And flying back to Alaska to treat my clients. I had a condo there and not really building a lot of business in Oregon. So even if I had the opportunity to work with people, I didn't have people to work with. Mm. And, you know, I couldn't fly back and forth to Alaska to work with my people. So I drove back to Alaska for the summer and I spent the summer there. And, um, I had an amazing opportunity to open my, my practice up on a donation basis to my clients. Just from a point of gratitude, I, I had some financial assistance come into my life and I just wanted to people to feel supported and I wanted people to be able to come and get treatments when they could, when they were feeling good. Um, I had a lot of cancellate cancellations. Yeah. I had one. I had As one, we all did, right? <laughs> I had one day where a client, her husband, her mother, and her, her two children were supposed to all have appointments. They yeah. had my whole day booked uh-huh. and I got a call from the client 
in the morning saying that her boss had just had a client the, the day before that tested positive for COVID. So she had to cancel everyone. Uh-huh. So no work for me that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we were, we were struggling. We were really struggling. Um, but I, I did feel a lot of gratitude for having the support that I had with my community in, in Alaska during that time. And one of my friends had a friend visiting who was a publisher mm. and she had told him about all the work that I was doing. Um, cause that's what I was doing in my free time. I was writing a curriculum. <laughs> I was researching and writing, uh, ended up being a 500 page PowerPoint, um, 160 cited sources curriculum, first wow. class on the curriculum. I mean, it's massive. I just dove right in because wow. it was more like a learning process for me too. And I wanted to create the best class I've ever taken. So I wanted that just to be something that would be above and beyond anything that I had ever experienced. And I wanted it to be the best class I personally had ever taken. So, wow. Yeah. I, I just dove in. And so my friend was telling her publisher friend about this book I basically had written and he wanted to have coffee with me and see, see what I was about. Cause he had done some publishing for alternative healthcare practitioners in the past. And he had just retired from the industry and he had still had good connections to give me. So he was, he wanted to have coffee. And, um, we met together one morning. We had a couple hour conversation. He took a look at my PowerPoint and he's like, Oh my God, you have written a book. This is not just like, <laughs> you know, a couple words here and there. Like you have full words on slides and this is like massive. And, um, so that gave me some validation of all my hard work. Yeah, I yeah. felt good about that. He was pretty impressed. <laughs> did you, with this book, I didn't even look, did you go a traditional publishing route? I didn't. I self-published it. Okay. Um, so yeah, like he, during that conversation, he recommended to me, I told him what my curriculum was about. He recommended to me the book, The Five Spirits by Lori Dechar. So I immediately got it and, um, started reading it and it really created a pathway for me for writing this particular book. Mm-hmm. This book, I didn't have a concept of until I had read that book and, um, reading that book and having the preface to it be a couple years of really deep introspection of how I was practicing, what I was doing in my clinic and really trying to get to the bottom of, you know, what the changes that I was ma- making in people and how that was really happening. Um, and then reading Lori's book about the, the five spirits traditionally thought of in Asian medical theory, I just had this epiphany that like, this isn't, this isn't how it is. You know, a lot of what she says is amazing and the, her, her writing is amazing, but the way that she, she presented it just didn't link up for me. It didn't, mm-hmm. it's like when you're playing an instrument and you play the note and then you hit the harmonic and the harmonic, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, that's it. That's the note. You're trying to tune up the, your strings, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, mm, G, G, mm, mm. and then you just hit G and you're like, that's G. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. And when I was reading her book, I got that feeling of, I was like tuning the string. I was tuning the string. And then I took a back step from it and I had the harmonic come to me and the way that I, then was able to see how the spirits manifested within the five elements. That's what felt right to me. And that was all based on that knowledge that I was bringing into Lori's work from my hands-on clinical practice of feeling how the energy moved through the body and feeling the really swift transitions and transformations that I was getting with people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of uh, books that I've read in Asian medical theory talks about I was treating someone for, you know, 11 months with acupuncture or, you know, these, these long periods of time. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, you should be getting changed before then. Like, you should be getting 
a lot of transformation happening that's much more swiftly done than 11 months long. And by then, you know, the body can kind of come into its own and make its own changes. You know, yeah. who knows if the work is actually what did it or not. Yeah. Um, most of my clients, I, I create significant changes in their mind and their body, their emotions and their physiology within three to five treatments. Some people five to seven treatments, just depending on how embedded and how, how their neuroplasticity works and is functioning and, you know, other things they have going into their life, more additional stresses they have during treatments, how often they can come to treatments. Um, Whether they have five-year-old kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going through some significant life transition. Yeah. yeah. Especially that involves kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of, one of the reasons that you've kind of attributed some of that success is because this, this kind of different approach that you have where in a lot of traditional five element theory, it's kind of like working ag against the body or how, yeah. So how exactly would you yeah, state that? <laughs> I, I try to, to state it like, um, you know, a lot of people that practice five element theory in Asian medical theory, they use certain treatment cycles and, you know, as a basis of, of, thinking about how to go about treating the body because it is an art and there's so many different ways you could be doing it. So the Shang and the Ko cycles are basically the, the primary cycles from my understanding. And they're based predominantly on domination and controlling energies. So within the elements, for instance, metal controls wood, mm. you know, a saw chops or an ax chops wood. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just kind of in its most basic form I think to that, you know, you can't cure trauma with more trauma. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the way that I want to be approaching the healing in my practice. And the, the Tan cycle theory that I created that I illustrate in the book, um, it kind of flips it on its head. It re, it flips that theory, you know, the, the traditional Asian medical theories on their head and applies still natural concepts from the world around us but in a more lifting and supportive nature. For instance, earth supports a base for fire. Fire can't just spring forth out of the air. <laughs> I mean, it can, but for the most part, we think of a fire happening on a supportive base. Mm -hmm. You know, there can be lightning and stuff. That's, you know, getting the nuances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then, and then wood lifts and supports water. So wood Listen supports water through the fire element, the warmth of the fire element supporting that process within wood. So that supportive flow of energy, wood calling up water from the ground it, through the xylem and phloem and tr releasing it to the process of transpira trans transpiration <laughs> is actually transfer transformation. It's a transformative process. So this, this process of lifting and transforming and supporting through the elements rather than dominating and controlling one another. That yeah. was a big shift. I love that, just that visual of looking at it from a different perspective from this nurtured place. Like, it just feels so much better. Yeah, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Doesn't it? It just feels like, ah, oh, it, it feels that harmonic. Yeah. You know, you just, that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And um, when I was, was writing the book, I had a draft. It's gone through a couple drafts. And I sent one to an Asian medical doctor who I liked some of her writing in acupuncture today on some of the spirit affiliations. And I really appreciated what she was writing about uh, the Hun, I think it was. 
And, um, I sent her a copy of my book and I said, will you read this for me? And gave me some comments and she gave me one of the best comments. So she had mentioned the GA cycle, which is a little bit of a lesser known cycle that Asian medical theorists use, which is looks like the same energy flow as the Tan cycle, but the concept of it is completely different. And I write about this in the book. And what I reckon is the GA cycle was potentially mistranslated and it's actually just how energy moves through the body of a traumatized person Mm. of someone that has experienced chronic stress or has a history of trauma or his nervous system is built in the early developmental stages from a little bit before birth to around eight years old of chronic trauma, lack of consistent primary caregiver, these things that we know from the polyvagal theory and um, that, that lead to a nervous system that tends toward dysregulation. So, what I think that J cycle actually is, is just the way trauma moves through or the way energy moves through a body of trauma. And my application of the way that energy moves through a body that's been traumatized is through approaching it, meeting it where it's at through the time cycle and providing lifting supportive energies for it to create a shift and that energy to create a transformation within that body. Yeah. And that anyone has access to that. In your experience, I mean, do you think that we all, to some extent, have trauma? And so we all could benefit from this way of working? Yes, absolutely. And that's another thing, too, that potentially, even if if we say the kanjis and pictographs from 4,000, 2,000 years ago were translated absolutely correctly in 1940-50 area, um, even if we say that, have our nervous systems evolved since then? I mean, we think about all of the stimulus that's yeah. around us constantly. We are living totally different lives now than we were back then. Yeah. What was written back then might have been applicable and may have been entirely correct. But what we have now is just a totally different landscape we're living in. Yeah. And it, it just begs for reformation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. An acknowledgement and appreciation of the the power that that modern society and what our lives are forced to interact with and what our energies are forced to interact with on a daily basis from just the mundane of all of the electronics we have near us and around us and our, and around our electrical fields and our nervous systems, so our body's electrical fields on a daily basis. We have our phones in our pockets and our purses and we're sitting in front of our computers and microphones and, (laughs) you know, and, 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 um, you know, not only that, but just the, the stress that this American life causes, yeah. you know, which is, is quite different. You know, we are consistently unsupported in our social services from our country. You go to Europe, you spend any time there, you see the energy is so different. Yeah. You know, not to say that everyone all around the world doesn't have an exorbitant level of stress now in modern times that they did not have before. I mean, most people have, like I would say 99% of people have, are in our living a totally different life than what their nervous systems have evolved to navigate and associate with, you know, and we are rapidly evolving to meet those demands. So you're teaching yeah. this as well. Can you share a little bit about what that looks like and what yeah. it's going to look like in the future? So yeah, the curriculum, that elemental manual meridian theory and techniques um, is going to be really comprehensive the wood element class is almost done. The whole manual didactic curriculum, the written stuff is up online. 
right now and available, but the audiovisual is in production still. Okay. Um, and I will be also then creating classes for each element after I finish the wood element one. The wood element is the primary one because the wood element is the human element. It's our nervous system. And it's what most is referenced most by the anatomy and the physiology of the polyvagal system and our complex of nerves that, that drive our autonomic nervous systems. And then I will have also a shorter class on the book. Um, and the book is the umbrella theory, which will sort of link all of the classes on application of manual techniques together. Um, the, the book really provides a foundation for all of that and how to use those techniques and apply them in a way that's consistent with the processes and the ideas and ideals that we've discussed. So like the wood element class that is, you know, you're in completion mode for right now, is that something that's available to anyone, the general public, or is that something that's more open to practitioners? Yeah, it's actually available to anyone. Um, I'm currently credentialed with the NCCAOM, so acupuncturists and oriental medicine doctors, as well as NCBTMB, um, sort of massage therapists licensing. And then um, I've had a lot of interest from the naturopathic community as well. Um, so I will be likely credentialing with the naturopathic community, and I would love to get credentialing for the nurses. So that takes a little bit more. That's work. That seems pretty lofty. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've had a lot yeah. of nurses really, um, I have a lot of friends that are nurses, and I've had many of them approach me with um, real excitement ab- about how much the curriculum could help them in their jobs with palliative care, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just learning different ways of viewing the body can really help. I feel from the, a lot of the nurse friends that I have that do a lot of, you know, just very typical Western medicine work in hospitals, things like that. They get excited about it because it, it provides them a little bit of a release and stimulates their creativity. Mm. You know, the, a lot of creativity gets lost during the stress of performing in a job that's high performance oriented, much like a lot of hospital work is. Yeah. And a lot of nurses, a lot of nursing is hospital work. So, you know, it just provides um, a little bit of a relief for them Yeah, and might inspire them, Yeah, you know, in different ways that they haven't gotten with some of their other CMEs. And I have some friends that are PAs that really are interested in the curriculum too, because they see people with digestive dysfunction. And that is one of the main things that work with the polyvagal nervous system in the polyvagal complex with the viscera can help alleviate almost all the time, very swiftly, sometimes in one session, huge changes can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, you know, a PA is seeing on a good day, probably 20, 15, 20 clients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had some PA friends tell me they've seen 50 patients in a day. Can you imagine? I can't. <laughs> this is not how we work. No. no. <laughs> this is not how we work. No. <laughs> um, but that's another good thing about the curriculum. It teaches you to be efficient. Oh. It, it, it gives you a plan, a framework to comprehensively consider the whole spectrum of your client in a very efficient way and then be able to provide really healing therapies in clinic in a very short amount of time. 
Um, you know, obviously some people's nervous systems need to be more downregulated than others. That's when the PA, my friend PAs, they refer to me. They have, yeah. they say, you need a whole hour to just yeah. relax and get this work done in a way that's more beneficial for your system, you know, mm-hmm. but they can do work in, in their clinics and in their, with their clients in 10, 15, 20 minutes by seeing someone and listening to them and saying, let's just try this gentle mobilization. And you could release a restriction in the biliary glands biliary ducts and the, the um, liver and the gallbladder and do a nice flush and all of a sudden somebody doesn't have indigestion anymore you know um, mobilize the lesser omentum and, and somebody can um, doesn't have acid reflux anymore yeah you know things like this what does the work actually look like is it similar to acupressure or um, it's, it's a little bit of acupressure usually in every session and direct contact with the tissues. Most of the acupressure, um, uh, techniques are done on nerves, mobilizing nerves, feeling the chi or energy of the nerve, um, the electricity that runs through it, releasing nerve restrictions and making sure they're mobilized. And a lot of that happens at acupressure points. And that's why the acupressure points were identified. They're areas where you can access the nervous system. So in the visceral mobilizations and the cranial uh, work, it's all hands-on. Some of it's very gentle. Some of it is a little bit more pressure-oriented, but you're always just meeting the body where it's at, letting the body guide guide you into the space and the exact location that needs to be addressed and touched and treated in a certain way and um, the exact pressures you need to use. And then the body really just tells you where you need to go with it and then creates the release and then the treatment is finished. You yeah. go on to the next part. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's based on listening. Listening. The whole curriculum is based on an awareness and, and being with your client, listening to where they're at, listening to where their body's at. And a great thing getting into the emotional components too and how the body stores emotions is somebody can tell you that they're over an emotional trauma or a physical trauma that caused a lot of stress and transition in their life or something like that. But their body stores that information, your cells store that information. And the work that I teach is so helpful because you don't even have to talk about it. You, right. You as a practitioner learn how to feel where it's at in the body and how to get in front of it where it's going and meet it. And just give it an allowance to release. You know, sometimes it just needs to be told that it's okay to go. Mm-hmm. And the body doesn't have to hold on to it anymore, you know. So people don't have to relive these these scenarios in their head and, you know, get in those potentials for re-traumatization. And, I mean, sometimes those trauma cycles, it, it's cyclical. It, like, just mm-hmm. keeps you replaying, too. And mm-hmm. so you you kind of remove that. Yeah, you just stop it where it's at meet the body where it's at and just give it a, a, a option for release. Mm-hmm. You give it the option to release. And most of the time it does. And most of the time it just wants to be seen, heard, acknowledged and released. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It's really beautiful. And that kind of leads into another thing we can discuss is that working in this way with the body, using the, the ton cycle theory and also the U angle treatment theories that I propose of trying to, assess and meet the body where it's at and wherever it's symptomatic and whatever element and whatever tissues. And I talk about the different tissues that are associated with the different elements. So if you're having a certain pain and this meridian line or this organ that's attributed to a certain element and then going about it and treating it 
through these techniques that I've illustrated gives you a framework to get in front of it. Because for one, you know, somatically, we all, we all kind of know just by physics, like a body in motion stays in motion, a body at rest stays in trust and at rest, a body in trauma stays in trauma a lot of the time. So no matter how much you want to heal, your nervous system is protecting you sometimes and keeping you in that state of trauma. And once you're practicing with the client and, you know, you've had one or two sessions with them and it's not really progressing as quickly as you thought it would, or you're not seeing the changes that you thought you would make, or you're redoing things, or you're seeing that their nervous system is not integrating the work, you can then kind of get in front of it. You can say, this is a trauma pattern then. This is what we're dealing with. The body and trauma wants to stay in trauma. And then you can get ahead of it through the you angles. And the body might be telling you to treat a certain thing, but it actually needs something else. Mm -hmm. So that's when you can then step in front of it, look at the options presented through the you angles and say, how about I work with this tissue? And then you go to that tissue and you see, you know, stomach, you see, does the stomach need mobilization? You gently load the tissue if it doesn't need anything, it doesn't need anything. Maybe there's something else somewhere else you need to look in that way because it's an art. There's different ways to treat things. Mm-hmm. But if it does, you release the stomach, you mobilize that area, all of a sudden everything shifts. Mm-hmm. And there you've got it. That's the key. Mm-hmm. That's what needed to be unlocked. Mm-hmm. But that's not what you were being directed toward because a body in trauma sometimes stays in trauma. So this is interesting thought that just came up. I know Becca, my co-host, and I just had an episode about giving a client-centered massage and how sometimes you go in to see a therapist and you say you have a pain in your shoulder and the therapist decides that it comes from like your stomach and that, you know, maybe they're getting ahead of it because they have this awareness of how the body works and, and they never actually address the shoulder. Have you found in doing this work that clients are opposed to your methods or do you kind of present everything in a way where people really know what they're getting into before they come see you? Yeah, I, I have had both of those things. I've had the spectrum. So I do occasionally, um, substitute at a local spa. I'll just fill in for them because it's easy and it's fun for me. Uh Um, and I do get clients there that don't know of me that haven't come to me for my skills. And I do have to explain things to them like, you know, okay, you have this shoulder pain, Sometimes that can be caused by restriction, you know, at the stomach where your your the restriction of the stomach is causing restriction in your diaphragm and fascially it's pulling up and restricting your shoulder. Mm-hmm. So let me try to work there first and see if I can get any release and then we'll move on and do some more myofascial work on the shoulder. And usually people are pretty open to that, especially if it's a recurring problem. Fine. That they, yeah. yeah, that nobody can fix yeah. all the way. That know? makes sense. Yes. Yeah, so they're pretty open to that. And in that case, you know, do the, the visceral mobilizations, look to the meridian lines to see if there's any blockage in the meridian. And you can feel that through Toyohari assessment, um, which is a, a type of chi assessment, um, that is done by Japanese monks that were blind. So they, they feel mm. for where the chi is and mm-hmm. actually where it need, where the, um, treatment needs to be. So doing that, clearing the energy systems um, that run through that joint and then working on the soft tissue and directly in the fascia and doing releases, mobilizations, unwindings. So I always think, especially with chronic um, illness or injuries, especially certain joints that you have a historical problem with, working with the organs of the meridian lines that cross that joint, working with the acupressure points 
And then doing more of the physical mobilizations of the tissues is a really good plan that usually leads to really swift healing that is much more sustainable and long lasting than just going in and doing the myofascial release or the quote unquote deep tissue. You know, I, uh, my, my main thing, one of the main things I hear most often is that I could be going deeper for people that are used to deep tissue and used mm. to massage being painful. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell them I'm at your bone pretty much, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm very deep with this, but working with the nerves before you work with the muscles primes them up so much that people don't experience pain or discomfort like they would if you just went into the muscle tissue. Yeah. And that is in essence also very supportive and non-re-traumatizing because if you're eliciting that reaction of pain and tension, that's something that can on a physiological basis with the concept of, you know, neuroception and a little bit of interoception as well, of course. Um, and those are concepts illustrated by the polyvagal theory, which I talk about in the book, if you're not familiar, that's the nervous system sensing threat. You know, pain is a threat to your nervous system. It's not necessarily a healthy part of the healing process. So very supportive. Yeah. Very, very supportive. Yeah. And the way that the work is applied primes up the energy system of the body to receive more potentially triggering work. Like I have a lot of clients that have done a lot of the work in the somatic experiencing curriculums and that work with manual therapists, massage therapists and their um, talk therapists. And sometimes it can be extremely triggering for people to go through that work if their nervous systems aren't primed up and structured in a way where they can handle and self-regulate. Um, and that's my, my thing with somatic experiencing, because I've had clients that I have to unwind them after their somatic experiencing, um, sessions with people. And they often tell me how great their somatic experiencing therapist is and, you know, how wonderful that person is and how many times they've seen them. But after every time they see them, they come in, I talk to them about it and they were in tears during the session and they felt so much anxiety since the session. And, I think somatic experiencing is wonderful for people that have had traumatic or stressful experiences in their adult life, but were perhaps raised in a really healthy way. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it's, it's value is. I think when you try to apply it to people that have had inconsistent primary caregiver stress and significant trauma at a young age or potentially um, birth trauma mm-hmm. and their nervous systems just aren't supportive of working through more of that emotional and physical trauma that they've experienced either as a child or as an adult, that's when you run into problems with that, when you can really re-trigger people substantially. And a lot of people are learning that discipline without the proper awareness because possibly we haven't had it yet, to be honest, you know, and it's just, we're just now building on, that awareness through our research, clinical research and um, research in neurobiology, neuropsychology. And, um, you know, a lot of people that are, that are practicing it and learning the the training that are acupuncturists, massage therapists, they don't have necessarily the proper training to deal with that psychological re-traumatization that can occur. Whereas someone that has a, a training primarily in talk therapy is a clinical psychologist psychotherapist, psychiatrist, they are much more primed to deal with those potentials 
Yep. Which is really hard. And ethically, I, I wrestle with that. And yeah. that's what I really hope this curriculum also can help people that, you know, everybody wants to be a service. Everybody's coming from a good place for the most part that are, that is learning the, these techniques and trying to provide that service to their client, but they just don't know what they don't know. Right. And hopefully merging polyvagal theory with more of the physical, tactile, somatic therapies that I've been trained in and, and offering that awareness in this book for people to consider when they're working with those people to feel where their nervous system is out of balance or blocked, release those restrictions through acupressure, visceral, neural mobilizations, and then prepare their client for that deeper level of experience of the cognitive experience. Because working on a physiological neurological, electrical basis with the body, that's a whole different experience than cognitive psychology yep. and you cognitively reliving traumatic experience and trying to heal from that as best you can, but your body just isn't there to support it. That's really beautiful. <laughs> I mean, you. I just, I just think about like the impact that this work could have on so many people and yeah, it's, it's really, it's incredible to think about. So yeah, it's really, it, it is something that is it's like the missing link for me. I, I just, I'm so passionate about it. Yeah. So Nicole, how do people learn more about you? How do they sign up for your classes? How do they yeah, get so, the book? <laughs> <laughs> All of that can be done through my website, um, gratitudehealingarts.com. And I also have an Instagram. I, I'm also an artist, a watercolor artist. So she, Nicole is a beautiful artist. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of fun with it. Um, it's nice to have that outlet. Yeah. Um, and I do healing art. So, um, the Instagram is gratitude healing arts and the Facebook page are the same. And I, I try to po post really relevant, um, also humorous things that, you know, a little bit of my personality too. Yeah. Um, and then the, the book, um, can be purchased on my website. I also have a web store with some of my art and you can purchase prints of the artwork in the book and um the clothes and things like that with some of my designs that are also going to be some of your artwork on them yeah, oh, yeah. have fun yeah i'll have to show you it when we got the, yeah. the yeah. Um, interview um yeah it's really fun and i wanted to i i have kind of a background in marketing and design too and i just think it's so fun so i created a little web store and i want to have ultimately the curriculum also be integrated into um i have like cups and water bottles and little wine cups and t-shirts and notebooks because the curriculum is predominantly online. It is all online. Um, I will be having hands-on study groups and workshops that you'll also be able to get credit for through credentialing bodies. And I'm available for private one-on-one -on -one tutoring sessions as well. Um, you can just contact me. The curriculum online is totally online. You get ac lifetime access to it. Um, you will log in and you get all the modules right now. The wood element is available for sale at a really reduced price. I haven't been advertising it because it is my first class. No one really knows me yet. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to get cart before the horse on it, but it is available. Um, the audio visual should be out of production and up online by the end of July at the latest. We're hoping for end of June. And that is also, um, I have netter anatomy images also mm -hmm. embedded into the whole curriculum. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing as an artist was really important for me. All of the curriculum I've ever studied, continuing education has had the caveat. You need to buy this netter book yeah. for the anatomy and physiology plates that yeah. go with these things that we're learning. And that's a $150 expense. Yeah. 
it's expensive. And there's neuroanatomy books. There's all kinds of different knitter books. Yeah. So as an artist, I wanted to, again, make the class that I always wanted to take. Uh-huh. So I paid for licensing for all of Netter's images. That is expensive. I, is, looked, it, I looked it into is that expensive. before. It is very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very expensive. Um, but I think it's worth it. Yeah. And I think also it gives some credence to how passionate I am about the curriculum. Yeah. And I want you to have the exact image you need right where you need it. I don't yeah. want you to be flipping through the book and stressed out. Like, I can't find this. You know, the books are like hundreds of pages. Yeah. So, um, and that was important for me as an artist. And it's like, I could have just drawn everything myself and illustrated it, but you know, he's, he's way better than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better is way better. Yeah. And, um, I'm proud to have that as part of my career. You should be. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Um, I think that we have talked about so much and um, just thank you so much for giving thank, me this opportunity. Thank you for coming on. It's really, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Nicole's sitting across from me right now. Normally these recordings are via Zoom, but we're actually sitting next to each other and we had a cup of tea before yeah. we started recording and it's really, it's been a lot of fun. It's been so much, it's been so, so much fun. And, yeah. you know, I, this is the first interview I've done on the book and the curriculum uh-huh. and I wanted to be here and I wanted to connect with you because we've known each other for a while and it was just important to me to, to have this energetic space that we could create to yeah. talk. And I'm not a Zoom fan, although <laughs> I will get on it and do the things, you know. Um, I do do some trainings and um, some like one-on-one coaching through Zoom. But it's not that the most ideal. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all over it. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really happy that my schedule allowed for me to come here. Thank you so yeah. much for offering the yeah. opportunity. For sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And please reach out to us if you have any questions or topics you would like covered. We love suggestions. Find us at www.alignwiththemassagebusinessmama.com. Also, we wouldn't hate it if you were inclined to share or review our episode. Until next time, stay healthy, massage therapists.